welcome to the London Horror Movie Club. I'm horror writer Lauren Jane Barnett. And I'm Chris Sapkowski, Lauren's older brother, and I've been watching horror movies since I was eight. Join us as we talk about the wild, weird, and wonderful horror films set in England's eerie capital. Hi, horror fans. Welcome back. It's December, and Chris and I are going to be talking about A Clockwork Orange. We've been promising this one to you, so I know you've been looking forward to it. This is Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange. I don't know that there's any others, but it's very much a Kubrick film. It came out in 71 in America and 72 here in Britain, and it is as best described probably as a dystopian-style futuristic horror film that follows Alex and his gang of droogs as they sort of wreak havoc on London, and then Alex himself gets arrested, and they try and brainwash the violence out of him. It's also, though, this particular episode going to be a fun one, because we're going to, in honor of December, we're going to tackle it at the end. Chris and I have been racking our brains for our top five Christmas horrors, so you're getting quite yes. a lot in one episode. So Very hard to come up with top five. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> it was. I Fair warning, and we'll talk about this later, but both of us came to this, like, right now, having lists longer than five. So yep. <laughs> we'll see what makes the cut. And, and what makes the cut to the top five, because, you know, there's there are so many, but not so many great ones. So, yeah. <laughs> But let's go to Clockwork Orange. I'm actually excited to talk about this movie because – we were talking about it briefly beforehand that growing up, this was a movie that I happened to see that was England, was London to me. Like it was the it was the accents, it was the voices, you know, it's very set in uh specific timing at like the seventies. So like it, it just I don't know, like I always thought when I saw that movie, I always thought England and London. So I was excited to go back and watch it with something I hadn't seen in probably a decade, you know, like in passing and sat down from the beginning to the end, watched the whole thing nonstop. So um, I don't know if I classify it a horror anymore. <laughs> I, uh, as you know, I get a little older and ultra violence is, is a main topic in the film. Yeah. And uh, I was, we're, we're very jaded people because we watch horror movies. And I was like, well, <laughs> that was a little tame for, for 2023. No, it's true. I, I This is, was an interesting one. And I, oh, before I start talking too much, I should say to our listeners, if I sound a little funny, if I need to mute myself to sneeze, or if I sound like I've got a strepsil lozenge in my mouth because I'm cold, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to do my best to power through. Uh, that's my own version of horror, I guess. Gross, <laughs> gross out horror. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, you're right, because at the time as well, Stanley Kubrick, the, in the 70s, I guess now that's just true as well, but you really didn't want the horror label. So he tried really hard to push it as like futuristic sci-fi dystopia. And at the time, it you know, it got banned. It was so horrific. And particularly the scenes of like sexual violence, the, the rapes and stuff were considered so shocking. It was beyond anything any other horror film was doing. Even, like, psychological horrors like Psycho, it's not as explicit as this. Right. And now we watch it, and it's like, you know, you get it on in the background, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a bit like this murder, you know, crew crime show that's on now. And mm -hmm. that's not even considered a, like, difficult rating. You'd let your teenage kids watch those shows. It's weird. Yep. It was it was very strange. It was uh, I mean, like I knew what I was watching was was uh, 
I, I like the movie. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I just am going back to how you were saying in the 70s. I mean, I believe in America, it actually initially got an X rating mm. because there was at the time too much of the um, just nudity, the sex and, and obviously the rape, especially the rape scene or scenes um, that are in the movie. Now, I mean, I know he cut out, he supposedly cut out like 30 seconds of one scene, which got it down to an R rating. And I keep thinking now, I'm like, I don't know if it would have, I mean, it would have been R rating for sure, just from curse words and dealing with that. But God, there's so many things that, that go in that direction where I don't even know if that would be considered shocking anymore. But it does, you know, it is a very London film to me. I mean, it is a very, uh, and I think it's because they do try to touch on the government aspect of it a little bit. I think, you know, reading, I was telling you, I went down the rabbit hole of this movie and it's from a book and the book was really focused on the government angle of it and this totalitarian government um, running everybody's lives. And so uh, the brainwashing scenes and all of that, like once you get past the first 20 minutes of him being in the droogs and them just randomly beating up people and, and, and causing all this havoc. Yeah. The brainwashing scenes actually were the best scenes in the movie to me. Like now, like I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. I, that you mentioned the London thing and that's the thing that I find most interesting about this. A lot of people talk about all the, the various symbology and the, the sort of future aspect of this. And like you said, it's based on a book by the same name by Anthony Burgess. It's like a little novella. If anybody wants to read it, it's not hard read. Um, but it's really different. The book is much more like the dystopian society, almost 1984-esque. The government's in control of everything and is trying to control people and how they behave. And that was very much of its sort of time, this huge issue with like counterculture and government trying to keep students from protesting and people from trying to do that. And so Stanley Cooper goes, oh, I'm setting this, you know, in the future. It's very, you know, futuristic dystopian society that hasn't happened yet. But then you watch it and it's so london in the 60s and 70s it's so swinging london that it's like a time capsule i mean from the very nerdy perspective of me some of the buildings he uses even are like you know he uses uh, it's not there anymore but uh where he's like pushing his friends off into the water that is very much the brutalist architecture that was coming around at that time that was really popular that everyone was into he uses the chelsea drugstore for a scene which was like literally built in the late 60s as this new revolutionary it's so London in the 60s that it can't be futuristic at all to me, aside from the fact that Londoners didn't just regularly have weird headsets put on them to force them to watch horrible things. Well, even, I mean, even, I mean, and he didn't change up the clothing. Like, yeah. I mean, so the clothing was very 60s or that swinging late 60s feel. So, like, you're definitely, no matter what, you're in that vibe of, like, this is the 60s. This is, like, that early 70s era. I mean, he's walking around the Chelsea drugstore, like, Austin Powers. You know, he's got, like, this suit, and he's doing his thing. So, it's, I mean, it's uh, it's very, it was very comical. But I actually found the scenes, though, like, so, he, you know, him and his drugs go, and they, they cause all these, uh, you know, they're, they're beating up a homeless man, they're getting in fights with rival gangs. Um, they're then going out to the countryside and like stalking families and getting into all this stuff. Well, he gets caught, right? So then he goes to prison and 
he's like, I'm going to get out of this prison. This won't be hard or whatever. But he gets an opportunity to do that trial or to try to, they, the site, this, uh, I guess, doctor scientist was like, we can, we had this way of making people like basically adverse to violence and like it may, you know, it'll stop it dead in its tracks. So he goes to this thing and that's, that actually is kind of like unsettling when you have your eyes pried open and you're forced to watch you know all that negative and violent stuff i mean anything from rape sex uh violence you know and he's forced to watch he's screaming for it to stop and he's just getting it like no you've got you know three more days of this yeah and they're they're injecting him with a drug that makes him nauseous as well so they're like making him sick i this is an interesting thing you've you've brought uh, you've sort of said it but not sort of directly said it but you're right what they do to alex to me nowadays having watched a lot of horror is far more upsetting and horrific to watch than this is a terrible thing to say particularly as a woman but then to watch the other (laughs) scenes because i know intellectually that it didn't happen these people aren't being raped these people aren't being beat up it's i don't know somehow that makes it desensitized i guess because i see and we we have it in so many other like crime films and it's just everywhere beating people up and sadly and raping them is a really standard thing to put in like any drama even whereas that really aggressive brainwashing isn't something we see a whole lot of still even in films what do you think does that make sense yeah no i think it does make sense but also i think (laughs) because Neither of us are like, no, that one is okay and one is not. We are not saying that at all. But I do think that they make it lighthearted in the scene because they're singing, he's dancing, he they're they're doing things where it's it takes away from the if it was a gritty scene where it was, you know, you're in a house in the middle of the country at in the middle of the night, right? So there's not a lot of noise going on. So if it was gritty and quieter. I think you would it would be elicit more of a like reaction because there are movies when I that I will watch and like that part will affect me strongly and it didn't in this because I think it's they're looking at it comically so they're like singing and kicking the guy and then you know cutting off pieces of clothing where it's like it ha- it's horrible but you know it you know it very much is um, a movie right you know that it's just part of the shtick of what they're doing. Um, I, you know, I wasn't scared by the, the the forced brainwashing part, but it was unsettling, almost like a jigsaw or like a uh, the Saw movies, because you have the contraptions and it's holding you down. You're strapped in, and so it has that. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, where you're claustrophobic, like or like when you don't want it and you can't move, like. So I think it, it kind of t- that they took that scene more seriously, where or it made me at least feel more uncomfortable as well. No, you're right. You got me thinking the soundtrack as well really plays into that because a lot of the other film, the sections of the film, sorry, um, it, the soundtrack is it's either lighthearted or it's like party music or it's 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 like hyped up so it doesn't match what you're seeing in the same way. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, when he's in, it was the like scene, so Beethoven's. Well, I don't I don't follow classical. It's Beethoven or Mozart, and it's one of it's very famous song. Like I've, I've heard it since I was born. But like they'll play this classical music or he's singing in the rain. It's like he's dancing around. Yeah. And so it does make it like it's a different vibe. But a very interesting movie. Like I think in the when I first watched it growing up, I was like, oh, it's an English movie about like teenage thugs. Mm. 
And now I watch it and I'm like, well, that's interesting. It was like the counterculture and like the government and how do they get past, they're, they're working on a way to get, you know, to make them more, or just not make them follow the government, but like, we'll uncrowd the prisons this way and we'll get them just to all act nicely. Yeah, I so. mean, you're right, because they, it's like, a, the, the message behind it is supposed to be that they like fit in with society better. Right. It? Yeah, it's interesting. Because that was the thing I loved about Burgess's novel is that his message, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody, so it's, you know, spoiler alert for the 1962 novel. Like, <laughs> 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 but it's a 60 novel, year old uh, novel. Yeah, the, the thing is that the government sort of, there was, it ends up being pointless what the government did. There's not, you know, they attempt to, to brainwash him. The brainwashing basically means he doesn't fit in society anymore because he doesn't belong with any of the people that he used to be friends with and he doesn't know how to fit in with anyone else. So he's an, a loner and outsider to the extreme. And then eventually, uh, the brainwashing wears away and he gets back to like sort of doing it but he gets older and he decides you know like I have outgrown this that's not interested in anymore so like the government didn't need the like he's sort of naturally society as he grows he fits in wherever it is he fits in and the in the movie it doesn't really have that aspect of it and I I was wondering whether you think that adds anything you know I like the novel for that better but I don't know whether it works as a in a movie if you know what i mean um that's an interesting thought i mean i haven't really thought about that yeah i i was gonna ask something similar to you um and maybe maybe we can keep talking that direction but another reason this movie is very english to me is growing up in america is there ever a time I, okay, I don't know how to phrase this. Okay, so I'll read like British trash Daily Mail stuff like that. Like, love it. It's it's great. It's just entertaining. Who doesn't want to know where Beckham bought his pants from? So, but there you'll see articles every once in a while of was it is it antisocial behavior or they're charging people with it? like they could, the families of like these people have had multiple. They got their council house taken away because of antisocial behavior and they're being loud and they're doing all this stuff. I don't remember growing up and I still don't remember seeing that in America where like if you just had a crazy neighbor, you're just like, oh, we walked the other way to school. Yeah. We didn't have cops come and like kick you out of your home because you were an asshole, you know, like I, I so it's very interesting going along the lines of that of like the government trying to to change that where we're just like yeah build more prisons man yeah. <laughs> like it's full build more why fix the problem where they get they're trying to like fix the problem but i don't know i mean I, I i definitely think there's going back to your question there's always that hint of um younger like teenagers like causing a lot of the issues mm. um they tend to not think ramifications, but even if you're kind of older, you, you start being like, okay, I mean, that's kind of stupid. Like you just mature, right? Yeah. So maybe the, the book seems more of like a realistic approach to it where, you know, the movie kind of goes where they like almost apologize. Like, oh, we're sorry. You know, we shouldn't have done this. But now that you're, you're cured, like we're going to help you. We're going to try to to fix this. And then it kind of, you know, it finally goes away at the end. But 
I don't know. I didn't answer your question. I just threw out another question and, and an observation. So I apologize. No, don't worry. I, it's one of those questions that's maybe unanswerable because you'd have to see the movie and how it was made to know whether it would be in more interesting one way or the other. But I think you're right. You're, there is probably that thing of like, oh, that seems really realistic as opposed to the government being like, oh, we screwed up terribly and we're so sorry. And you're like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> But no, you're right with the the ASBOs, uh, Antisocial Behavior Orders, for our American listeners. I don't know if I'm going to get the history behind this right, because I have learned this, I'm not going to lie, through the combination of living here for part of it and the horror movie response to it. So I apologize if I'm slightly <laughs> off on the decades. I know the history in the horror films of this, um, but ASBOs were definitely at least taken to a new level, if not specifically defined as the ASBOS order under Tony Blair. And so you have a lot of horror films in the early 90s basically responding to this this weird order by making horror films where it's just teenagers invade your house. It's the series of hoodie horrors we talked about with F. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because you're right. Horror films very often focus on teenagers. I mean, this is this is 20 years before Blair and it's teenagers wreaking havoc. And it's still that really... I think you're right. Very British sense of there's decorum in a way that there just isn't mm -hmm. back home. Mm -mm. We, we're not like we have cotillion in the South, but we are not a fancy people. We, we you know, we, we, are, <laughs> we can, we can, you know, you, like you said, the neighbor <laughs> sets fire to his lawn and you're like, that sucks. He's an idiot. That's the neighbor Ed. sets fire to the lawn here and like you get a petition and like it's hurting right. the grass and it doesn't look nice. And you're right. Mm. There's a weird sense, not weird, a non-American sense of decorum here that you kind of follow. But I'm always bringing this up. America does have it in a really weird way. We do not have, um, what is it called? Like neighborhood societies here. You know how like you have when you live somewhere in America and like people can say whether your decor is bad outside your house. 100% homeowners associations. That's the one. Homeowners yeah. We don't have that here. Oh, really? And you guys do. So like America yeah. does have this weird sense of the ASPO in a very niche place. We have it as like peer settings, right? So like I can't just paint my house. So weird. I'd have to get approval. My fence in the backyard right now, a little little inside information on me, has fallen down because the, the fence was built when the house was built. It's on a little bit of a slope and it rotted. And so I did not get it repaired in time. What we've done is we because we can't just go hire a fencing company without my neighbors to the left, the right, and the back to approve the fence that is already in the homeowners associations to be a certain level, a certain construct. So I still have to get them to say it's okay because they're going to see it. So I have basically chicken wire that keeps the dogs in, which is fine. But yes, we have homeowners, but at the same time, you know, there are, it's a, there's a big push. Not everywhere has that either. Um, you can live in places like I know you see the stereotypical like uh, anytime they show anything in America and run down, you'll see like the neighbor with like four cars on cinder blocks and, and what have you. And there are houses like that, because if you're not in a homeowners association, that's your property. You can do what you want with it. Yeah, that's true. That's but it is. I mean, we we ha we are a fancy people in certain ways. No, yes. Um... <laughs> just, there is not an overall collective decorum where like. I think this that's is, what I mean. Uh, right. a, a level of expectation of fanciness. You're absolutely right. 
obviously we can be very fancy. Ours is very, ours is also very, um, I would say, this is going away from Black Book Orange and maybe more into society, but I would say ours is more material where in Britain, I guess, and it, it might be that way there as well, because I know like there's footballers and they've got their seven Lamborghinis and, you know, everything, but like the Royals just, like it's you have to act a certain way like it's the way you act where like here it's like what you have like the kardashians like have all this stuff i wouldn't say that they're super classy but i would say that they're kind of you know because they don't do anything and make billions of dollars that they're yeah. people look to them as like high society i don't know they're new money right isn't that like new money versus old old money yeah, yeah that's very much a thing here as well there's a sense of um posh versus wealthy so i don't know how true this is outside of the social circles i run but when someone refers to someone as posh to me and this again is an american learning it from a certain group of people in whatever class structure but um posh is like oh you you might not have money but you like you grew up well and you say the right things and you went to Oxford or Cambridge and Eton or wherever. And so you all like know all the same people, whereas you can have money, but you don't know that you don't know like the right place to go or the right thing to say or the right fork to use. And so you're sort of different. And I think in the States, you're right. There's a lot more, there's a lot less attention paid to those little things and a lot more paid to like, Oh, we're all evidently on the same line because you can afford this Lamborghini and I can afford this Lamborghini and our kids go to a really expensive school. Whereas back yeah. home here and my, my friend Steph, actually, I always bring her up, but I don't think she'd mind this. Her kids go to private school, but because they have a sort of Austrian background as well, they don't go to like the same holidays as everyone else. And it's a bit of a thing. Because they yeah. they grow up in a slightly different way, which makes sense for her their family, but is like not traditionally the English private school person place to go. So weird, it's interesting. Yeah, and I love that's a whole many... social that's a whole sociological like side of it that I do find interesting. But it's uh, also like I think here, and we'll get back to the movie. I promise. <laughs> this is going <laughs> to retort to that, but like. I think here it's more of like it, it. I feel it's a lot of a what have you done for me lately. So it, because our our country is so many people moving into it, it's not like you were brought up here or went to this school. Like you could be brought up, do whatever, and then you make something of yourself here, and you can run in the same circles as someone who family has been here for generations, has built, you know, monster company and empire but you can be in that same that same social setting like you you're not ostracized because you didn't go to the right schools or go to wherever okay but back to clockwork orange well, so no, were I... they upper class or were they middle class or were they just run of the mill like how because there is a scene in that movie where he comes back from prison they've sold all of his belongings he again goes home and his family has rented out his room so he's come back to this world where he doesn't, he's like, what the hell? Like, everything's different. Yeah, totally. And it, it's, he's supposed to be middle class in the book. And I think they tried to translate that in the movie correctly. Um, so he, they do have like uh, a nice-ish apartment, but like you said, they run out the room. So it's not like they're like the wealthy of the wealthy, but it's, it's that kind of weird fear because we've just been talking about how social class is such a 
thing here. It feeds into so many horror movies. It's a fear of that the middle class suddenly getting like access and power in the 60s post-World War II, and you have this new generation coming in and getting power and attention and changing things up, and people are really afraid of it. And there's a lot of horror movies where that's at the center of it, like Dracula 18, 1972 is one of them, or like I Don't Want to Be Born. There's all these movies where like social mobility or the new generation are terrifying just for being you know, that new generation, they aren't necessarily as bad as Alex. But obviously, the flip side of that is, you've made me realize this, is it is it uncomfortable for anyone else that Alex starts out as this horrible person, they brainwash him, and then he like, he gets kicked out of his house, and then beat up by homeless guys, and then beat up by his best friend, and you feel bad for him. You feel bad for a guy who's done horrible things just as bad if not worse than the stuff that's happening to him and that made me uncomfortable did that did it interesting no i definitely um it's it's funny i i always like a story that has the i i will get it wrong with protagonist antagonist but like the main character being a a good bad guy Mm. so like you you are rooting for like at the end, you do you find yourself kind of rooting for him, like oh that's not fair, or like come on, like he's so yeah no it's um I mean I, I definitely noticed that it, and when he, and I also had to laugh because his two buddies became cops <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it just that I guess that's just a worldwide um, phenomenon of like <laughs> these teenagers are kind of buttheads and like rambunctious a lot and now they're all state troopers and cops so i don't know it just makes me laugh <laughs> like oh yeah good but yeah it is it is interesting but I, i've definitely seen that before in other films other tv shows and such so um but yes i mean i i so i i did recommend clockwork orange it i don't necessarily look at it as a horror movie um definitely more of like a thriller or like a I don't know, just like psychological horror, maybe if you wanted. I mean, it go down that line, but I really enjoyed it, and I actually enjoyed it for just different reasons this time. So I was happy that we watched it. Oh, it's so interesting. So, what were the reasons that you loved it the first time, and what's the different ones now? Um, I well, I like the psychological part of it now. I guess I never really saw that that way before. Um, I just was like, oh, bugs, and then like, yeah, they brainwash him, and he's good. I always liked the beginning of the movie. And I never really, like, the end of the movie was great, but, like, I always just thought, like, the beginning of the movie was, like, the fun part of the movie, and then, like, then it's going to try to tell me a story or be, like, try to tell me why this is wrong or whatever, or I just want to be entertained. You know, like, you watch movies like that. Sometimes I just want an hour and a half of being entertained. I don't care about a lesson or anything like that. So I think that was it. Like, it was, like, like I said, when I watched it the first time, I don't want to say I was 10, but I was definitely very young. Probably too young to be watching, to be honest. But um, that was how we grew up. We were kind of allowed to watch whatever we wanted. But um, it was just always that very like British movie. And then like you, I re- I also read um, autobiographies are, are a a nice way of saying these these books from soccer hooligans in the seventies and eighties. Like apparently that's okay just to write about your exploits of just being in fights every weekend. But I always find that like counterculture, I've always found that very interesting. Mafia in America, um, any kind of counterculture to like the normal society, right? So, but now when I watch this movie, I was really enjoying the 
the the second half of the movie the the government has done this he has now been fixed but then it's not it didn't fix anything like it fixed something for the government but like he, he's not like i don't know just I, I can't articulate it i apologize it's great for a podcast but i can't articulate it <laughs> No, I think I know what you mean because you've, you've you've talked about it in the lead up to this. Totally. Yeah. And since you've mentioned the whole like not sure if it's horror thing, anyway, that was something we talked about. We were talking about our lists for Christmas, trying to figure out yep. which oh, ones yeah. are horror. So I I'm curious, how do you want to do this? Do you want to like go one for one with each other, or do we would you like the whole list, or what do you? Think? Yeah, I think we go five, four, like five to one. Okay. And then so our fifth best one, and then we. Go down. We can talk a little bit about them, but cool. Um, All right, what's I've your got, what's, what's your, that? What's your fifth best one? Oh, okay. I got my list. I've, I've written it down here. So I, I will say this: I found finding five watchable, repeatable things I enjoy watching movies that I strictly Christmas movies more difficult than I thought I would. Um. There are plenty out there. It's a Wonderful Knife, The Gingerbread Man. Um, there, there, there are movies out there, but I'm like, are they? Do they? They, they rank. So then, I, then I kind of did like a little NCAA bracket of like, would this one beat this one? No, nope, it's out. You know, and so I had a longer list, and then I've kind of narrowed it down. So my number five movie is going to be the 2015 Krampus. Nice. That made my long list, but okay. not the five. It just got edged out, but yes. Okay, yeah. so for our listeners, if you haven't heard it, very quick summary of what that's all about. Right, so that is the more recent. There's a lot of Krampus movies out there, but it has Tony Collette and Adam Scott, um, two recognizable actors today. And it's the goes off of the Bavarian, the German Krampus, where it's, this half goat, half monster man, like comes and like steals bad kids, and yeah. so that's it, monster movie, right? So it's just, but it's a mytholo- mythological monster. Like they, when our brother lived in Germany for a while, he would tell about like these big people would dress up as Krampus and like carry these sacks, and like people would like cheer them, but like it had to be horrifying for little kids. I know why Germans are the way they are now. Like this is normal for them, so. Yes, but no, the Krampus made it as my number five spot. That is a great so. one. And I should say there are there's little bits of humor scattered in that one. It's not a oh, horror yeah. comedy, but it's got some like good jokes and stuff yeah. as well, which is great. Um, they keep it light. I'm glad you mentioned that one because it, it was on my long list, but it's not. So my number five, I will admit this is entirely self-serving being a London horror writer. It is not the world's greatest movie, but it's the only London Christmas movie. So it had to be on my list. It's called Don't Open Till Christmas. It's 1984. Oh. And it's like, it's it. Caroline Monroe is in it. You know, the like classic. She was a Hammer actress. She doesn't even like it. Like if you ask Caroline Monroe about it, she's just like, oh my God, Don't Open Till Christmas. It's a, you know, christmas slasher movie it's what you expect but midway through there's like a song for reasons unknown but it's very if you go in going this is not going to be a good movie but it's going to be carolyn monroe and it's going to be entertaining you'll have an okay hour and 20 minutes it's amusing it's fine but it's in london so that's my pitch for it 
<laughs> okay, hey, <laughs> that works. That works. So if I'm looking for something to entertain myself for an hour and a half, and I don't set the bar too high, just I'm like going to go in and it's Christmas themed, and it's there we go. Yeah, what you which okay. season you get? <laughs> okay, so number four on my list is almost chosen for the box cover at the rental place or the movie poster. I've seen the movie. The movie is exactly what you think it's going to be. But Silent Night, Deadly Night. 1984 Christmas slasher. Not just that. This is the. This is one of the. Um, it's um, it like they've made nine of them. It's one of those ones yes. that like was super popular. Sorry, I'll let you continue. But like, no, I, I, that's all I would say about it is it's it was there was so much clamor for this movie that they made like seven or eight more. Like <laughs> I don't know, but I just remember that was like. It was typical slasher Christmas and the scene of like Santa kind of going down the chimney and you got an axe like hanging out. Like, so I, I got to just throw that in there because if you just want like, and it was the eighties American, like it's in sequels, man. It was like, pop them out. Like slasher film, people liked it. Let's keep going. And so, yeah, they definitely made it. But yeah, so I'm going to go silent night, deadly night, the 1984 one that started it all as my number four movie. That is an awesome one. I'm so, again, you picked some that didn't make my list, but we're good. on like long list. So I'm <laughs> loving that because it's really good. And it is, like you said, it's like the horror, uh, the Halloween, sorry, of horror Christmas. Movies. Yes. It's yeah. So that's what I would classify it as. Yep. Yeah. Um. So my number four is, no, sorry. I just did my four, didn't I? No, I didn't. No, you did number five. Okay, good. So you can tell I'm on the medicine. Uh, but number four, it's not number four because it's not a really awesome movie. It's number four because, and this is something we I mentioned to you earlier, it's not super horrific, Violent Night. Okay. So it came out last year, 2022, and we both love this film. I know that. Mm -hmm. But basically what it is is Santa is real, and he falls asleep in a house that gets basically home invaded. It's a really wealthy family and a bunch of people are going to rob the crazy wealthy family that has a vault of money and Santa's stuck in the middle and he diehards the crap out of all of yep. them. Now, I know that that, that sounds basically diehard. I would not class as a horror movie, but there were some degrees of the deaths, two in particular, that I think push it into that horror zone. Guy getting star in the eye and then electrocuted to death was pretty amazing. And then the, the final one, I don't want to ruin it for anyone who yep. hasn't seen it, but what Chris has just done, I'll give you everything. That is a very <laughs> gruesome death. One of my favorite death scenes in, in any movie. Like, awesome. I did, it was so great. And so it's the degree of that to me that makes pushes it into horror rather okay. than it being like, slashery horror ghost horror what do you think does that count so i so i love the movie i mean you know that already like i've recommended it to people i i, I really enjoy that movie and it'll be on a rotation for christmas for years i didn't throw it as i didn't put it even on my long list because i kind of wanted to stick with like the classic horror genres but yes no i totally get it um when you have a make-believe man who is magic and can do things 
then you kind of do go into the fantasy realm, right? Which then can kind of lean towards horror. So I have no problem with this pick. It just didn't make my cut of my thing. So I like that movie a lot. So Awesome. But yeah, that's my number four. And okay. it's, I think recommend it to anyone. Great, great time. All right. So number three, going along the lines that you just did, I'm going to go recency bias here. Okay. And when I go recency bias, it's because I watched this movie last night. Nice. I really enjoyed it and will probably watch it again this weekend. It is the 2023 There's Something in the Barn. I do not know this. I'm going to write this down. So, it is a Norwegian movie. Well, it has American actors in it. Um, the only actor that I actually recognized was from the TV show Silicon Valley or from the show Freaks and Geeks, so both American shows. But um, he is an American dad. They move over to, they inherit this Norwegian house and barn, and they're going to go, like, kind of live their lives over in Norway. Well, there are elves that live in the barn, and if you upset the elves, the elves go bad. Oh, my God, I love it. And the elves don't like Christmas and or the all the lights and all the music and all the partying. And the boy is the only one that kind of understands that. So then there is a townsfolk versus the elves. And the elves are – it is fantastic. I won't want to give anything else away. But it is it is not going to win the Academy Award. It is not going to gross the most money of any movie. But if you want an hour and a half of just – a horror movie. It's kind of like like it's it's little person horror. Like if you because they're elves, oh. so it's the movie is very. I thought it was a kids movie for the first twenty minutes I watched it because of the way that it's very family and they're out of their element. And they're in Norway and then all of a sudden the elves stuff and I'm like this movie's fantastic. That's so I enjoyed fun. it. It is fun. There is something in the barn. I would totally recommend it. That sounds awesome. I love anything that's like off the wall and a bit different. Oh, yeah. And that sounds great. Totally watch it. Totally worth whatever they're charging on Prime and Voodoo. Yeah. They're not, it's not going to be the Oppenheimer $20 for a rental. Like you're going to be able to watch <laughs> it for like five bucks, but it's definitely worth it. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Heck yeah. Okay. Then on my third, this, my number three is a classic, I think, anyway. Um, so it's Black Christmas. Do you do you know it? I that was on my yeah. long list. Ah, uh, yeah, 1974. So it's it's kind of everything you expect, but I I love the cast in it. There's some really cool people in the cast. My favorite, honestly, there's um John Saxon. He's like in he's the cop in everything. When you see him, you're like, oh, you're a cop in every movie ever. He's Freddy's <laughs> dad. He's in Tenebrae. But like the cast is really amazing, and it's it is Christmas slasher. It's exactly what you expect to see. It's good fun. It's very American, I think, as well. Okay. So a little bit different. Yeah. But yeah, I like that pick. Oh, good. I'm glad. I like that pick. No, that was that was a good. That was definitely on my like uh, when we were talking earlier before we started recording. My like that three that kind of got kicked out at the very end. I was like, eh, I just, I, 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 these other ones beat it out. So yeah, for me. Awesome. I love that. All right. Number two, we're getting close to the top. Uh, we are getting close to the top. So I enjoy this movie a ton. It's the 2015. 
I'm blanking on the word, but it's the Christmas horror story. That's my you know what I'm talking one. about. What's that? That's my number one. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> I love it. It's an anthology, I think. It's anthology. Good Lord, my, my brain. Okay, tell him about it, because I'm so jealous. It's my number one. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I want you. We'll, we'll both talk about it. But like, it's, yeah, no, it's just, it's, well, first of all, William Shatner narrates through or kind of ties everything right? together. So you have that. Let me talk as slow as humanly possible to like as a radio host. And he's kind of the narrator where basically three different stories happening in the same small town are intertwined. Um, but to open up a movie going to the North Pole where there's a storm and there's craziness and you see Santa Claus. I'm not giving anything away. It's the first scene of the movie. Santa Claus is like, oh, Blitz is my old friend and he's getting ready for Christmas. And then he hears like this really weird knocking and turns around and has a gash down his face and picks up like this axe, like this sickle. And I'm like, this movie is going to just be awesome. And it was. And it was. It is. It's so good. And the only thing I'll add is I think the as anthologies go, I think the story combinations really good. Like everybody always says, of course, as an anthology, you have like a weaker one. But I think they're all everyone will have their favorite and least favorite but i think they're all pretty pretty good like you had they're very different you have some stuff that's supernatural you have some stuff that's not you've got some stuff that's i mean there's more supernatural maybe than not but you've also got you've got like a team-based story and you know parents story yeah. and and like you said with shatner and there's like lots of stuff you can't see because he's on the radio and yep. so there's a lot going on and it's I loved it. I love that that's, that's your number two. That's my number one. I love it so much. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to steal your thunder for number one. Jeez. Oh, I'm so thrilled, though. It means like it, ha <laughs> it must be good if it's in our top, not only top yeah. five, but our top two. Like, it's great. Well, so now your top two is coming up, so you might as well just steal my number one because I can't <laughs> imagine that you don't have my number one as your number two. Oh, really? Okay, because mine's a weird one. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Okay, go ahead. What's your number I don't two? Know. My number two, and I'm not sure if it counts or not, so I need I need like a ref to decide okay. whether it counts. It's another anthology film. It's called Tales from the Crypt, 1972. The whole film is not a Christmas film, but the Joan Collins Christmas segment is really good. She's really good in it. It's really creepy. It's totally crazy. So as a Christmas horror, that little segment, I think, is really okay. good. But does the whole movie count? Because obviously none of the rest of it is Christmas. I'll give it to you. Because okay. those Tales from the Crypts, I feel like, are mini movies, right? So okay. to but me, I, yeah, I I'm love in. That one. Okay. I'm I've not to... seen it. Like, I, I I feel like I've seen it, but I couldn't, I couldn't go ahead and, and talk about it. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a really good one. It's very 70s, and obviously, like, Joan Collins is all, she's, like, all bouffanted up and rich lady, and basically, rich lady wants to kill her husband for Christmas, and it just gets okay. weirder from there. It's great. I'm kind of curious now whether, because you thought it'd be on my list, whether it's one of the ones on this list that didn't make it into the final one. Is it? Is it Gremlins? It's Gremlins. Yes! I, I thought it was that I had one to. is like I had so to. i've got my like numbers and you can see that i was like oh these are definitely in and then it was between gremlins and black christmas and i was like <laughs> no i had to pick gremlins it's nostalgic it's monster movie 
It it was it was a monster movie that the whole family could watch. Yeah. Like, uh, my like Halloween. my wife will tell like let's watch Gremlins like it usually it's around Halloween I'm like no let's watch it at Christmas time like are you <laughs> kidding me so oh, yeah that. no Gremlins is my number one but I am curious now with your list yeah and I know we're we're running close on time but what what ones didn't make your list like, what were some of the uh, the first ones out if you will like what were the some of the ones that you cut the like, Gremlins got cut what other ones got cut. Gremlins made it to the last strong, and it was a that was a tough one. Honestly, if the London movie hadn't made it on, Gremlins would have. Okay. Um, but um, I'm trying to see it because you talked about Krampus, you talked about Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, await further instructions. This was a controversial choice. It made it into my top ten, but not the top five. That was okay. the first to go in the top five discussion. What is this movie? So it was done in what's the year? It was 2018, so pretty recently. And basically, you you open on and everybody you see these different houses. All of them are staying at home at Christmas, and it's really tense. And you're like, what the hell? And then slowly you learn that they're they're all they're they're they've got their like TV telling them that they need to stay inside and await further instructions. And so hmm. you're stuck in your house with your family at Christmas. In, like, the most stressful, you have no idea what's going on. You don't know how many other people are alive in the world. You don't know if it's the end of the world. You don't know if what's happening. And most of these people are not in the world's, like, nicest dynamics or families. And it's just super tense. A lot of people do not like this movie. I will put that out there. But I found it really stressful to watch because of how tense the entire film is. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse as these people are stuck with each other, not knowing what's going on with the world. So I thought it was really good. When was this movie made? 2018. So fairly recently. No, I will have to. I want to watch that movie. I want to see it now because I've not I've not even heard of it. It is on, or at least in the UK, it is on Amazon, and it's not, because it wasn't a blockbuster hit, it's not super expensive. But I think the quality is really good. Like, it's a pretty good quality film. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was stressful. (laughs) No, that's, see, you have, like, thinking, like, more psychological and, like, that, like, where I'm going, like, my, my, my short list, my, my list of, like, things that got knocked out was Jack Frost. Oh, I haven't seen it. Serial killer that trans like his soul gets caught into a snowman who uses his carrot nose to kill people. <laughs> um, Santa's sleigh, which oh, is Santa's sleigh is good. Bill Goldberg, the wrestler, and he's just, and it's literally just like slasher film. But I will also say I almost put another family movie in there, oh. and this one almost knocked out. Um. It was kind of like it would have been a top one, so I would have probably knocked out the um, There's Something in the Barn at number three. Ooh, okay. Because I would actually watch There's Something in the Barn with my family. There's not, I mean, it's a horror movie, but it's, there's nothing, like, it's it, kids could watch it, like, teens, preteens maybe. Mm-hmm. But Nightmare Before Christmas, I guess it's just oh. that it's always on in our house at some point through the year. And there's just and Tim Burton's creepy and like his movies have a kind of a level of creep to them, yeah. so like, I, I don't know. But I I knocked movie. it off because I'm like that's not really a horror Christmas movie, so I I, did, I didn't make it for my grounds of like what constitutes the movie. But like we always watch it around Christmas. 
Yeah, that's the same. It's a classic, and I'm like, I absolutely love it. I, weirdly, I usually watch it at, like in the interim between Halloween and Christmas okay. like, while I'm waiting for one to go into the other. It's a bridge. It's a bridge yeah. movie. I got you. <laughs> but yeah, that's a great one, actually. That's awesome. I'm curious. Did did something like Gingerbread Man or like any of the really terrible, schlocky, but like fun ones make it onto the, the last 10 for you? Make it far? Oh, yeah. Gingerbread Man and Jack Frost would, I mean, I, yeah. were, were both of my just, um, kind of my like low seed that's playing the number one seed in like the NCAA tournament. You know, it's, it's kind of like, Hey, you got the chance. And then like, I'm like, well, I've seen the gingerbread man once. I'm never going to watch that movie again. I mean, it was fine, but it's like Thanksgiving or like one of those movies, where, like I got to watch one time. Um, Jack Frost. I remember watching that. I think it was a nineties movie. I want to say it was like 96. It was probably like freshman years of college. 96, 97, maybe is what I saw it. Um, that one I thought could have made it in the top five, but then I just was like, nah, like it's, there's other ones that I think are like just better. So no, it's a tough call on some of them. We were talking before and I wanted to make sure I, I, I put it into the podcast cause it's just a great movie, but like, it's another movie that's not a horror, but when I first saw it, it scared me was Scrooged with Bill Murray. It's definitely a comedy. And even to this day though, when I watch it, there's, there's like, the three it's the 80s please watch this film it's these are sort of spoilers but <laughs> how have you not seen scrooge it's um, a christmas carol is what the story is so you, right. so like what am i ruining the ghost ruining. of christmas future pulls aside his like little well, bill murray pulls aside his little like thing to see what's underneath because he thinks it's a costume and there's these weird deformed like people that scream at him living in the rib cage and that terrified me at oh god what yep. was i five like really young, we watched that. Probably were you probably saw it at the movie theater. I bet your dad took us all to the movies, right. and you were there, and you were just happened to be super young and probably petrified, had nightmares from that. Yeah, that was one of my early nightmares, and it's not a not a horror movie, but I. And then at the end of the film as well, they have them withholding these apples, and they're supposed to be jolly. And I'm sorry, but that was just as creepy. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Neither of us had a Christmas Carol on there, and I tried so hard. Do I've only seen Christmas Carol? I know the concept of a Christmas Carol, but I've really only seen the Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol, <laughs> the the Muppets Christmas Carol, and Scrooge. So, like, I can't say like the George is it George Scott? He did like oh, one yeah. is Ebenezer Scrooge, and then. There was a new one that came out on the local TV here, FX, with um, Andy Sorkis. Is that his name? He like, oh. plays like all the, and then Guy Pierce, and it, so it's it called the Christmas Carol. It was like probably two, three years ago, but I, I just get like, I'm like, yeah, I know the story. Like it's not, there's nothing really hooking me to it. So I, I couldn't put a Christmas Carol on there, but there's that's a that's a actual story about three ghosts. And one of them shows Ebenezer Scrooge's death. The other <laughs> one shows you what you screwed up. And the other one shows you the world around you. It's like, that should be a horror movie. Like, that makes sense. The story is a horror story. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's a classic ghost story, isn't it? Right. You're being haunted. It's not, and he's supposed to, like, the very first ghost, it doesn't even, like, show him the world, is his old friend is dead and, like, is trying to scare him into being nice. Right. So it, the aim the whole way through is not, it's not like, oh, they're ghosts, but they're doing nice things. They are trying to scare him, but it's not yeah. a horror movie. No, so we couldn't, weird. we couldn't, uh, yeah, I don't know. I could not, in good conscience, put uh the mickey christmas carol up there i mean i part of me wants to my my tony my partner is playing scrooge in the rochester theater and i kind of want him to like bring out blood backs now and be like that version of scrooge is a horror movie but i don't think even tony martin can turn it into a you know it ends up being so uplifting in the end and it's it's aimed at maybe that's it maybe it is that that ending of the story is what really makes it not a horror movie well, I think as well, and maybe this is just being being overly like modern as opposed to Victorian, but even amongst other gothic novels and stuff, it's not quite as creepy. Like, the okay, the Ghost of Christmas Future is scary. There's no two ways mm-hmm. about that. But the Ghost of Christmas Presents, like this big, jolly creature who loves to eat food and, like, the house is filled with lovely Christmas smells and he's, like, really happy and... And I don't know, there's a, there's like a weird jolly edge to quite a lot of it. Like, okay, Scrooge sees some pretty sad things from his past, but it's like, it's not horrific. It's just touching when he sees like his childhood self mm-hmm. left abandoned at the school or like the girlfriend that he let get away. It's upsetting emotionally, but it's more like drama level upsetting rather than horror okay. level upsetting. Whereas like Victorian era Frankenstein they stitch together a dead guy like that's pretty creepy yeah. i don't know does that make sense like i think it yeah. has a softer edge all the way through see yeah i guess i didn't think about it that way i was just like these are it's three ghosts it's a ghost story it is it's a class it's you know simple <laughs> straightforward haunting trying to scare you but obviously whatever whatever it did it didn't make either of our movies yeah and because we did not talk about these beforehand no, that's true. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Since I stole your first one. And I knew that. We could have waited. I could have re re made it the first. I'm thrilled though, because I it shows that like it's a really good film. Yeah. It's worth watching. It's awesome. It probably should have got better play at the movie. Like it probably should be ranked better, I think. Surprised how few people know it. Like, not that no one knows it, but right. it's you would expect like the average person on the street to be like, "Oh yeah, I've seen it." Wasn't for me or whatever. But like yeah, well, the average yeah. person on the street has never heard of Christmas Horror Story, and it's so good. And it has Shatner. Right. I mean, come on. And it's got Shatner like paycheck grabbing Shatner. Like this is it, this is good. Like he's fine. Like I, I'm not saying anything negative, but like, how did they get him? You know, but. I, lo- I love every second of the Shatner. Like the more, I, I, I love as well. My be- best Shatner thing is he starts off with the eggnog ostensibly, and it just becomes more and more proportions of. I think it's uh, rum. rum. Yeah. yeah, I think it was rum. It's dark liquor, whatever it was. And then yeah. pretty much there's like no eggnog. Yeah, but he's just. It's perfect because there's some part of your mind that sort of goes, "Now was that actually what happened when he was filming this?" <laughs> because I could see that. <laughs> Probably, probably. I'm Jewish. Why am I here? (laughs) (laughs) It is very funny to see him. You see all the puns, the Christmas puns, and William Shatner. Shatner, baby. (laughs) Awesome.
And on that beautiful note, I think yep. as well, like, yeah, let's, I think that's a perfect way to end. Unless you have any other movies that you've been watching that we haven't had a chance to mention that you would like to recommend. I have one that you recommended to me. Granted, it was in October, but that was really good. And I wanted to make sure I mentioned. Do you have any? Oh, you tell me. I'm going to rack my brain on what I've been watching. No worries. So I had to write it down as well because it's been ages now. It was called Dark Harvest. This was the one that you told yes. me about. Yes. Okay. Yeah. This was Chris recommended it to me back in October. It's uh, it's sort of got like a ritualistic 50s town where they have to go after a creature that looks like a scarecrow in order to save the town every year. And I, because if you're a frequent listener, you'll appreciate this. If you're not, I'm so sorry. I press play and freaking cornfields come up. <laughs> and I pause it and I take a picture from my Instagram and I go, seriously, though, what is with all the corn? But I knew from that moment on I'd love it. And I did. It's a very entertaining film. I really liked Dark. Very Dark. fun. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. That was a really good one. No, I'm glad you jogged. My that was probably that would be like the one that I've seen recently that I was like, yep, like that's that's good. That's a great one. Oh, perfect. So we've got you guys a whole list of Christmas movies, most of which, although they were on our long lists, we didn't cross over. We just had the one that crossed over, which is. Yep. Cool. And that would have been number. I mean, that's technically a number one seat, number one, number two. So. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, so yeah, we've given you guys all sorts of stuff yeah. to watch. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I loved being able to do the Christmas movie thing with you as well. Yes. So thanks so much for doing it. <laughs> No, thank you guys, and and let us know when you when this gets posted, like how crazy we are on these on these rankings. Yeah, give us your top five. If you if we get enough together, maybe in the new year we can do the like posts, like what were the most popular across our listeners. So let us yeah. know. Yeah, I would love here. to know. I want people to feedback, give me feedback, and be like, your recommendations suck. Like that's fine. Let me know. <laughs> yes. And by the way, fully anticipate people watching Don't Open Till Christmas and going, Lauren, why did you make me watch this? I'm here for you. That's totally okay. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you have yeah, a very you. happy holidays and a happy new year. Bye-bye. If you want to share your thoughts about this episode, please head to our Facebook or YouTube pages. We're grateful to Kukurbit, who made our music. Thank you for listening, and please join us next time for the London Horror Movie Club.